De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and Chief Outsider CMO, Doug Bell. And today we're going to talk about how to improve seller agility and tools and frameworks to support agility. Joining us is Michelle Vizana, who is the CEO at Vantage Point Performance, which is on a mission to continue their legacy of research and innovation expanding their footprint to enable the sales force in new and impactful ways. So for this week, Michelle and I have talked about situational sales agility, and today we're going to wrap up our conversation by talking about tools and frameworks for sales managers. Okay, here's my conversation with Michelle Vizana, the CEO at Vantage Point Performance. I know we threatened Gartner a little bit yesterday. Michelle, we were just kidding. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Doug. Happy to be here. Okay, slightly different topic, but definitely very relatable to what we talked about yesterday. Just, you know, yesterday was a really good conversation about how do we institute agility within frameworks so that sellers are better able to recognize the situational selling that they're in and sort of adapting their approach based on that situation. Slightly different in the sense we're going to talk about really tools and frameworks for sales managers. So sort of kick us off. What's a broad idea of a framework that you'd initially recommend for sales managers? So we actually have a very specific framework that we recommend, Doug, and it's based on about 10 years of research into sales management and coaching practices. One of the things that we do at Vantage Point and do well is we study high-performing sales managers and salespeople in depth. We ask lots of questions. We form hypotheses. We're often wrong <laughs> and surprised. And we did a whole bunch of studies around sales managers and sales management and coaching practices, and they formed our first two books, uh, Cracking the Sales Management Code uh, and then Crushing Quota. Those two books are publications of all those research studies and findings about how the most successful sales managers behave and how they behave differently than their lower performing peers. And one of the things that we like to do when we put together frameworks is we like to take a look at what are the most critical things that in any given role needs to do well? Not all the things they do, but what are the most critical things that if they get those right, it's gonna have an outsized impact on their performance and the performance of their teams. So we always look across the landscape and identify what are those few things that the high performers are doing differently that are making the biggest difference on the percentage of sellers that get to quota. And we identify there's really three things they do that are very specific and very different from their lower performing peers. The first thing they do is they ensure that seller activity is aligned to sales objectives slash KPIs and then organizational results. There's a direct link. And the reason they do that is because that clarity of task that they create by setting the right direction is a huge driver for seller motivation. It's even a bigger driver than their income, right? What sellers wanna know is what do I need to do to succeed here? 
And when managers create that alignment and clarity, it gives sellers comfort and confidence that what they're asked to go out and execute is the right thing. So that's the first thing they do. They make sure that sellers have clarity of task about what they should be doing, why, and how. The second thing very high-performing managers do is they know they can't coach everything, so they orient the coaching effort that they apply to those activities that matter most, and we call those high-impact activities. One example of those that often comes up is early-stage deal qualification. That is very often a high-impact seller activity. And high-performing managers are significantly more likely than lower performers to orient their opportunity coaching discussions to early stage and go much deeper and discuss far fewer deals. So that's an example. So what they do is they ensure that the coaching they provide is geared specifically at and targeted at those highest impact activities. So they, they structure their conversations to provide maximum value. They create repeatable, predictable rhythms of the types of conversations that matter most. And they conduct those conversations in highly collaborative ways that really get sellers involved, test their critical thinking, and push them beyond their comfort zone. So that's the second thing they do. They align their coaching to the seller activities that matter most. The third thing they do is they identify which leading indicators should be moving and by how much to indicate that not only is sales execution happening effectively, but the coaching is having the, the desired effect as well. So are they seeing the right kind of deals in the pipeline? Are they seeing shorter selling cycles? Are they seeing better qualified deals, right? So are they seeing the right solution sets within those opportunities? So their pipeline contents should reflect the KPIs that they have regarding product sets, desired customer types, and that sort of thing. So they identify which leading indicators will let them know that the right progress is being made and they're likely to lead to the results that ultimately they want to achieve. So those are the three things they do. They create the clarity of tasks for sellers. They coach the things that matter most in a very formal way. And they pay attention to leading indicators and then make adjustments as needed. And our framework that's called the sales management code reflects those three primary sets of tasks. So really we're talking about making sure that my organization's activities are lined up with my goals and the goals of a large organization makes a ton of sense. Second thing is I want to coach in the areas that have the most need. So I'm going to apply my coaching and capabilities to areas that are most profoundly connected to the first, which is the goals of the organization, the goals of the sellers. And then what are my leading indicators that I'm either failing or succeeding to make sure those things go through? Where do you find sellers and sales leaders typically are doing well with this framework and where is it they need to get caught up on? So I would just say off the top of my head, as a marketer, I feel like sellers usually do have clarity of task and they're pretty good at aligning goals normally. So I feel like it's they're probably falling down on the coaching side and maybe the KPI side. Well, actually, that's true to some degree, but we do find a whole lot of sellers who gravitate toward their comfort zone. So for example, we have a, a medical device client whose sellers have defined territories and they deal with eye care practitioners. And there's a set of accounts that are high potential, but they're competitive accounts. They're not really fun to call on. So the sellers tend to continue to call on the accounts that have been their accounts for years. And those accounts are already doing well. And they're not gonna generate a lot more than they're already generating. So sellers in that particular organization, they provide too much effort to accounts that are already stable and doing well and not enough effort to those accounts that are like white field accounts, right? That they can get all kinds of you know, great opportunity from. 
So it's not always the case that sellers will orient their effort to where they, they know they need to go, especially if it's outside of their comfort zone. But let's just say they do. Let's just say that your hypothesis is correct and sellers are pretty good at selecting the right activities. Coaching is a very misunderstood topic. And managers oftentimes feel like if their lips are moving and they're talking to a seller, that they're coaching. And that's not true. If you ask a sales manager, if you stop them in the middle of a conversation and ask them, are you coaching right now? They'll, they'll most likely say yes. But if you ask a seller at any given point in time, are you being coached? They'll know immediately whether they're being coached or whether they're just being inspected. And managers don't inherently know the difference, but sellers immediately know the difference. So one of the biggest failure points for sales managers is not really understanding the difference between inspection-oriented activities and coaching-oriented activities. So inspection-oriented activities tend to do with things that have already happened. What happened last week on that sales call? Where are you on that deal? When is this deal going to close? You know, how do you, your calls go last week? Blah, blah, blah. Future-oriented activities are much more critical from a coaching perspective. Because if you're talking about an upcoming sales call or you're strategizing an early stage opportunity, as a coach, you're helping the rep impact not only how they're shaping that deal, but dramatically enhancing the likelihood of either qualifying it in or qualifying it out. And if you're qualifying it in, it's probably gonna be a more winnable deal and a more well-shaped deal. Effective coaching tends to focus on future activity, not as much past activity. And Managers are quite confused about this because they've traditionally been trained that coaching means riding with your seller in the field, watching them on a call, and then giving them feedback, which almost doesn't happen in today's world, right? How many face-to-face -face calls are you going on? How many times are you in the rep's car driving around? You're not, right? You're on a Zoom call. Now, did you help that rep plan that call or not? Because if you didn't, you're probably just going to just give them a bunch of feedback at the end, which may or may not be helpful. So coaches have to understand or managers have to understand the difference between a conversation that's truly a coaching conversation versus just a conversation about scrubbing the pipeline or understanding a deal. Does that make sense? Michelle, that makes a ton of sense. I think, again, I'm listening in, I'm a seller, I'm a sales leader. How do I know if I have a challenge? So maybe what are some of those early indicators that we're over applying a comfort zone or something that we feel comfortable with in terms of our own comfort zone as a coach? What are some early indicators that perhaps we have a problem? Same things we talked about yesterday, longer sales cycles, lower deal size, et cetera. Poor qualification is probably the biggest indicator. And poor qualification manifests in a variety of ways. One of the ways it manifests is when sellers cannot give the coach in-depth details about the deal. The decision makers, the team, what's important to them, why it's important to them, who else they're considering, where they are in their buying journey. All of those things are important to know. And one of the indicators that there's a problem is when sellers can't answer these questions because they're not asking these questions of their buyers, right? So this whole idea of really being in depth early in the buying journey, which is harder now because sellers don't get involved that early. So when sellers get pulled in later, they still have to understand what's happened. Right? Just getting that information is a little trickier. So you know, the quality of the qualification is a pretty good indicator. There's also a, a productivity indicator. So one of the things that I've noticed in the work that I've done over the years with sales managers is that sales managers that actually are more organized and formal about their coaching and focus on the early stages of the pipeline just as readily as the late stages of the pipeline, they tend to not have 
as many issues around stalled deals and lost deals, right? So close rates change, they improve, deal qualification improves. Oftentimes pipeline size shrinks because you keep the junk out. And a lot of sales managers are not confident enough to take a deal out of the pipeline because then their pipeline gets smaller. But one of the scenarios that we examined within a very large household name company, you know, Fortune 50, was that the highest performing sales manager had a pipeline, an average pipeline per rep that was only about 60% of the average across the other managers. So significantly smaller pipeline, close rates were more than double and productivity per rep was 30% higher. They had 30% more meetings per quarter than their lower performing peers. They weren't wasting time on deals they couldn't win. This manager was maniacal about early stage deal qualification, getting good deals in, keeping good deals out. So that what was in that pipeline, they were very confident about. So deal qualification and quality of qualification is probably the biggest indicator that something's amiss. All the other things that you see that, that come up as issues really stem from that one problem. Stall deals, lost deals, low margin deals, all of those things are really symptoms of a bigger problem around qualification. It makes a ton of sense, right? If we're heavily focused on qualification, we're improving the likelihood that we're working deals that are gonna close, firstly, but also we're reducing a certain amount of the noise. And by the way, we're creating good behaviors around good deals as opposed to bad behaviors around bad deals, how we try and make the customer fit our ICP, right? They're really close, boss, they're really close. You mentioned before, and I wanna, I wanna just tease this out a bit, and we talked yesterday about this as well, how much more difficult the selling environment is, but also those opportunities for coaching. It used to be, you know, the uh, eight-legged sales call. We'd get on a plane, we'd show up at the office. Like, <laughs> you were there, right, with your seller and the sales leader. And so that coaching could happen in the moment. So much is online now. So I'm curious, are there tools that you would recommend sort of as must-haves and conversational intelligence is coming up for me for sellers when they just don't have that opportunity to be in the conference room? Conversational intelligence has a ton of potential when used correctly. I've found very few of our clients that actually use it effectively. One of them uses it highly effectively and she uses Gong. And you know, she's been able to really tease out some of the biggest differentiators between high performers and everyone else. And in one case, what high performers were doing was exactly the opposite of what she was telling people to do. And she found that out very quickly by the, the conversational intelligence that was provided by Gong. She had to completely change her message to, to her team. Because, and this was during COVID, it was, you know, bringing up the idea of COVID, talking about COVID. And I don't remember whether she was telling people to talk about it or not talk about it, but whichever thing she told them turned out to be the wrong thing. And she found that out through conversational intelligence, which, which was kind of fascinating. So that is one of the tools that managers can use, but if they understand it and if they know what they're looking for, right? So it's, it's kind of tricky. The one way that conversational intelligence is not being used and should be used which I think has, has huge opportunity for improvement, especially in coaching, sellers and managers can record coaching conversations as well and do oftentimes. If we do them on Zoom, they can be recorded, right? And a lot of these platforms will allow you to record within the platform, right? So when I suggested this to several clients, it's almost like a brick on the forehead moment. It was like, oh my God, I actually can listen to coaching conversations. And a big trigger for effective sales coaching is the second line sales leader. Are they requiring coaching? Are they coaching their manager on how to effectively coach? Are they paying attention to what's being coached and how it's being coached? 
and recording coaching conversations that can then be viewed by the second line leader is a great tool that utilizes conversational intelligence a little bit differently, but highly effectively. And that's one that's been really under leveraged, but I think a huge opportunity for the future. And I want to close out with this thought slash question, which was earlier you mentioned that quite often selling leaders or sales leaders, sales managers feel like they're coaching when they're not actually inspecting. And, you know, you, you had a little hesitation when I mentioned conversational intelligence. You said, look, I, I'm seeing it misused a lot. Do you feel like the misuse is quite often that they're using it as an inspection tool as opposed to a coaching tool? I think the way that it's designed leads itself, lends itself to inspection. So if a sales leader is going to use it effectively, they not only have to analyze what the analysis is telling them, but what does that mean as far as how to help the seller get better, right? If you're seeing that sellers are spending 60% of their time talking and the customer spending 40% of their time, that's an indicator, right? If they're mentioning solutions too early in the conversation, that's an indicator that something's amiss. So not only looking at what is happening, but what that means and how you can help your seller move to the next stage or the next level of effectiveness. That's the piece I think that's missing. All right. Well, I really appreciate your being here. I have to say, you've got a view on the seller's environment and the sales manager's environment that not many of us have. Really appreciate your time today. Learned a ton. Thanks for being with us. Thanks so much, Doug. I enjoyed it. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Michelle Vizana, CEO at Vantage Point, for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more or contact Michelle, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact her via her company website at vantagepointperformance.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to revgenpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Insta, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. And we'll be back in your feed the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.